everybody, and welcome back to For Pod Mike Kind, the show within the show here at We Bought a Mike, a pop culture podcast, a pop culture Mars cast talking for all mankind on Apple TV Plus. Welcome back. My name's Ernest, and here with me, Dane. Welcome back. How you doing? Doing all right. Better than all the people on Mars, you know? Much better. <laughs> I think, yeah. Could you imagine like, oh yeah, oh, no. we're just going to stay here for 15 months. We'll figure it out. <laughs> we might starve. We might not. We might have uh, a God emperor living out in uh, the, the North Korea module. Who knows? Who knows? Um, if listeners remember back, we did a little bit of a season one and two overall series thoughts of For All Mankind. You can go check out that separate episode. Today, we're talking about season three, which just wrapped up its run. And yeah, I mean, we're fans of the show. We're doing this because we like the show. That's why we're talking about it. We recommend it. But I think it's safe to say that this season was a little bit divisive. And we we texted back and forth the entire run every every episode we had a, a a chat and looking at like online reactions, do you think it's it's safe to say that this this is a divisive season that people aren't kind of as on board as they seem to be with season two? I I could I could see that being the case. I tried so much to actually not look at online reactions. Oh wow! Okay. You know? Yeah, I don't do that for all shows, but for this one, uh, this is this is one that I, I think it it kind of benefits from that. Yeah. But there there are definitely a lot of things that I could see would be divisive because uh, I mean they were I wouldn't say divisive for us, but we we had different opinions about different plot points. We're gonna fully spoiled this show so this Absolutely. this is for the people that have seen it we're doing this for to to, <laughs> to contribute to the uh conversation of people that have been watching along so uh if you for some reason are tuning in and you haven't watched up to season three go ahead and watch it watch we recommend it. it it's a great show it's uh probably one of the best shows even though this season you know, maybe go into it with with a little bit of measured don't, expectations. Don't expect it to be quite as good as the near perfect season that was season two. Exactly. Exactly. So. So, yeah, let's let's share a little bit more kind of overall thoughts on on the season before we you know, we got to We got to talk about the finale because that if it, it's fresh in our minds, fresher than all the other episodes. And we'll kind of backtrack from there. But. I guess overall thoughts on the season. I had trouble with some of the plot lines. I think the Stevens brothers is going to be a big point of conversation today. Absolutely. As we sort of break up kind of what what went down there and and what the writers were thinking. Because every time that it cut to Jimmy <laughs> with his conspiracy <laughs> theories. Or Danny with his that. fucking pill addiction. I was like, what are we doing, guys? What are we doing? We have so many other amazing characters that we could be spending time with. So, you know, I never, I hadn't felt that. I don't remember feeling that in seasons one and two of like an entire plot line that I was just like, 
can we not do this right now? Can there, we? There can was we... the one. There was the one. Okay, Karen and Danny. <laughs> yes, but that wasn't but a whole plot it, line. You're right. You're right. It 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 became a whole plot line this season, which, which was a it was a decision to to do the whole interaction between them, and then you know now everything that is said between Danny and Edge, you're like. One of these guys knows something that the other guy doesn't, and they've talked about this, and it's it's just messy. And I, I mean, I think it plays for good TV, right? Well, that's the whole thing with this show, and I think it's kind of opened up even more so in this third season um, that even though this started out as a show rooted in a certain reality – it's really gotten away from that. And as it becomes even more of an alternate timeline with each season, it's like, not only are we seeing things that are much more removed from our reality, but it's becoming more of this operatic dramatic, uh, kind of soapy, uh, show kind of soapy, but that's, that's what makes it so like, kind of irresistible right it's high quality soapy you know right it's it's none of that like like really tropey trashy tv it's like it it elevates the characters to a degree that like a traditional soap opera wouldn't but it's it's still doing the crazy types of things that soap operas do right and so this season goes to mars and i think that they one of the things that kind of blows my mind about this show is that not only do they kind of raise the stakes each season, but they add more characters, more, they're spinning more plates. They're not really interested in like trimming things down. They're interested in like adding more and more and augmenting the scope even more as the story sort of expands. And I think that that might be kind of where some of the trouble is where they might be a little spread thin and they can't devote their full efforts to every single story just because there are so many stories. But I also think that that's like part of why it manages to, by the time you get to the finale, be this like incredibly satisfying viewing experience where yeah, there are some episodes here and there that like uh, some things are kind of shaky and I'm not really in, as invested in every storyline as I could be, but they still manage to somehow have them all collide and connect in that final episode. And I don't know if this final episode is as good as the 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 final episodes of, of seasons one and two. But it still gave me that feeling that I like from this show of like, oh, my God, the stakes couldn't be higher. They've done all this work and set up to make us feel invested in these characters and what's happening. And it all just hits this breaking point. Like, what did you think of the finale? I do think it really did all come together incredibly nicely, um, culminating with with the the event that happens at the very end of the episode. Uh, the 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 bomb going off uh, outside Incredible. of uh, yeah, I didn't see it coming. I you know I thought I thought they were going to come out with guns because they show you guns and then it's like no 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 it's worse than that. We're we're gonna we're gonna take it to a whole nother level. 
And that that was the moment of the finale where I was like, okay, this is this is how we're at the how we how we elevate the stakes. Yeah, you're right. I did not expect that at all. That was so shocking. I did not expect a bomb to go off at fucking NASA. That is crazy because we've been conditioned to expect the high intense, you know, sort of more visceral kind of peril and violence to happen in space. We haven't really seen something like this in the show happen on Earth. Like the people on Earth are safe as far as we've known. Yeah, I think I can't really even think of uh, anything that's even remotely close to that. I, I guess the closest you get is the the explosion of uh, which uh, Apollo, whichever one that killed the the floor yeah. director in season one. That's the closest you get to anybody on Earth being in danger. It was like Apollo one or something. It wasn't one. It was it was after they landed. Okay. Oh, it was after. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like nineteen or something. I think they. I think that Molly mentions it in her uh, her like farewell speech. There's so many things to touch on in this final episode. That farewell speech. I have so many thoughts about that because that's uh, incredible. I mean, what once you know what happens at the very end, you're like, oh, it, it it adds a whole different layer to it. We'll we'll have to go character by character to make sure we touch on on everything. But absolutely. But yeah, this so this bomb, like this is really what's kind of in my head right now because it was just so out of nowhere. Um, because each at least the 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 season two finale. I'm trying to think back to the season one finale, but the season two finale was like the conflict there was pretty well set up. It was pretty cut and dry. You, yeah. you got you got a you got a reactor that's going into meltdown. You got Russians with guns, and you've got no guns, and and you have this handshake that may or may not happen between the American astronauts and the Russian cosmonauts. And that the the fact that it does happen is like this moment of just ecstasy for everything that had been set up before then. It's there's nothing kind of subversive about that. It's it's all pretty clear as to what you're expecting and some of the different outcomes that can happen. They kind of pulled something completely different here, where we'd seen this plot line of Jimmy becoming buddy buddies with these conspiracy theories and the whole time he's like he's in it he kind of wants to be with this girl and he's also like not fully kind of into their shit there's always part of him where he's like i don't know about this but i'm just gonna go along with it and it hits this breaking point where he finally like comes to his senses fucking dumbass jimmy and he's like oh yeah i better call my sister-in-law and let her know and maybe do that from the bathroom, dumbass. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. Gets bonked on the head, captured, and then Karen's there to rescue him. And bomb goes off. Karen dies in the wreckage, which broke my heart because we've seen her. Her arc has been her arc has incredible. Been she was a mom, you know, classic 50 space wife she was and now she's awful leading. in season one yeah well she's uh, but she's the archetypal like 50s housewife she, she had to grow and become like the best version of herself and she wasn't doing that for almost the entirety of season one and by season three yeah like like you said i mean at the beginning of it she's already incredibly successful right well she's leading this company helios 
they position her to be this the new CEO pushing out dev. And I was so excited for what was to come with her character. I was like, oh my God, here we have someone who came from being this entirely subordinate secondary figure in this story, literally just Ed's wife. That was her whole character's just Ed's wife, mother to his children. And, you know, little by little, they added more layers to her. Obviously losing her son was a huge deal. Um, her smoking pot was a huge deal. <laughs> yeah, <that> was a <laughs> huge deal. <laughs> and now she's dead. And it just breaks my heart, which is obviously by design. They needed someone that we cared about to die in this bombing for us to feel like it was this heartbreaking, tragic event. But damn, I'm I'm kind of I'm upset. I don't see, I'm gonna see her go. I'm gonna say something that's gonna maybe maybe upset you a little bit, but I'm I'm kind of glad that she's dead. I because it, it 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 not it fixes two problems for me. One, all right, number one. She she's not believably old. I I don't believe yeah, that's, that she's old. The the aging is is tough, especially her. Wait, I think her, her and Jimmy are the worst. Yeah, yeah. Um, How old is Jimmy supposed to be? We need know. a full investigation because he uh, looks forty and also like fourteen. <laughs> the other thing that it does for me is it it makes her a tragic hero. Yeah. And I, I love it when people die in my favorite shows. I don't, I don't know why I enjoy this, but uh, it just knowing like what her potential was and how they, they'd been building that up just to be like, nah, nah, scrap it, cut it. Don't need it. Oh. This will, this will hurt everybody way more. It, it I mean, it, 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 like, it, well, it why, hurt me. Why should we give her everything she wants and then let her have a happy death when this entire show has been, proving how cruel spaces might as well right you know earth's also pretty bad you know so okay so kind of piggybacking off of that like it it does a couple extra things on top of that okay it makes me hate jimmy even more <laughs> i want him to die even more so now maybe more than danny now <laughs> which i didn't think was possible i i totally understand that and it also adds even more tragedy to ed yeah ed a guy who had lost his own kid who is is dealing with what he's dealing on mars with possibly losing his daughter and his grandkid and then dealing with fucking danny stevens the worst person in the fucking galaxy and now his ex-wife love of his who, life who he's dead. yeah clearly still in love with like yeah man it's this show just manages to insert so much tragedy and yet there's still hope like that's that's the thing that keeps me coming back is that it's not this insanely sad story through and through there's always this insertion of hope and i think that what this bombing does is it it repositions how we understand NASA is in this story. Um, because I think there were a couple things in this season that they were trying to seed of like how powerful NASA is, how much support they have from the government and from the public and how much competition they have and, and where their position in that competition with Helios and with the Russians. And, 
what this does, it, it it kind of resets that a little bit. We'll see kind kind of how it shakes out, but it's like, do you feel like this this bombing does a lot to kind of do a lot of heavy lifting for the plot of NASA? It, uh, yes, especially since uh, the way that NASA, like the kind of the position that NASA's in at the end of this season before the bombing is not a good place right. because right ellen's she's got to be impeached because she's she's bill clinton in this scenario uh she didn't jizz not, on any she, dresses yeah, she she was not doing anything <laughs> bad so there is that but Na- nasa's like they're they're gonna lose funding and i guess they're kind of obligated to send at least one mission back to get the people on mars right at but, the very least uh, I think to some degree that uh, that this bombing is going to have kind of effect like uh, in this alternate universe, similar to like the Oklahoma City bombings or like even like 9-11 to like a lesser degree. Right. So let's let's talk about this a little bit more. You're you're an Oklahoma boy. You were you were born right around the time the bomb went off, roughly. Is something like that. I, when did when did it go off? I don't know enough about it. It happened before me, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it happened before by like maybe twenty four hours or so. Like it was it was within the same vicinity. <laughs> oh wow! It was two months after I was born. Yeah, there you wow-y. go. There you go. Yeah. So so what this show does is it gives us this insanely shocking moment that is directly based on something that we know very well from history or that most of us know very well from recent American history. And the moment where Aleda is standing in uh, Margot's blown up office and the camera pans all the way out, it's like a one-to-one, like duplicate copy of how that building looks versus what the Oklahoma City bombing building looked in our reality. Like that is that is crazy to me how this show manages to do that. Like, oh, yeah, this one event that you all know happened in the mid 90s. We're just going to plop it right here as this like insanely shocking thing that you've never seen coming. Yeah. I I mean, now that you're like putting all these uh, these parallels, I'm going to have to go back and look at it. Because like when when do when is this this fictional bombing happening? It's is it 96 or is it still 95? I believe it is late 95. Okay. Because so, they've only been on Mars for a couple of months. May, it could they be launched in 94. It could be very early 96, if anything, like right on that edge. Because because we see the title card at the beginning of the finale of the uh, North Korean landing on Mars <laughs> in yeah. February. And he has to wait there eating uh, refried <laughs> beans <laughs> the, for. Uh, X number of months, you know, his beard grows enough until he finally meets up with the the crew that that we've been following. Let's talk about this this whole Korean thing because this was arguably a misstep. I I loved it. (laughs) I I see where they're going with it, but there was no immediate payoff. And it, I mean, the end of the the penultimate episode, you think it's going to be this huge big thing, and then. It's really not at all, except for uh, you can see that it's set up for uh, what you were talking about with me earlier about um, kind of pointing out how like pointless borders really are. It's it's tough to really pin it down, but I think that that's becoming 
kind of the thesis of this show in a way where you look at what Dev is talking about early season three and how he wants Helios to be this Harambe utopia where we hold hands and everyone works together and there's no hierarchy and there's no corner offices and all this bullshit. And obviously he's full of shit and he can't manage to actually make that a reality. It's just him drinking his own Kool-Aid. Oh. all. Yeah, it's, dude. it's not that it couldn't happen. It's that it couldn't happen you know, under the circumstances that he's trying to right. manifest. But right. it does happen on Mars. On Mars between the 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 Americans and the Russians. And so you have two seasons of insane conflict between the Americans and the Russians to the point where they almost blow each other up on the moon at the end of two. And now here they're living on Mars together. They're getting along. They're working hand in hand to survive. And this is Dev's vision. This is what he wanted to do that he could never accomplish because he was going about it the wrong ways, egotistically, even if he didn't want to admit it. And now we see this actually happening with the astronauts and the cosmonauts. And it's it's that idea of like these things that we believe divide us on planet earth are meaningless why the hell would you be on fucking mars and think that we should be dividing ourselves based on these arbitrary archaic meaningless borders national borders it makes no sense absolutely uh it it really i mean and i guess that kind of uh kelly's whole plot line uh with with the the russian cosmonaut the love child uh, the martian I, love child i was kind of i was kind of lukewarm to that whole subplot but I, hearing you kind of talk about that it kind of I, I get where the writers were coming from when they did that because it really is yeah. it's it's that exact thing that you're talking about it's like we don't need to the 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 cosmonaut first off like reaching out to kelly and being like look my guys are about to do some like real dumb shit <laughs> this is a terrible We're idea and everybody die. knows it <laughs> and and then that turning into her realizing that she can trust him and that it's all dumb and and once once everybody's all in the same shit nobody really cares it's all like, we're all humans we're all humans every- and it's in our nature to survive Everybody knows that Kelly and the Russian are banging, but nobody, nobody cares. So, yeah, this this North Korean comes into the picture and he kind of, you know, obviously he has a gun that he's pointing at them. And that's a great moment to end that episode. Right. Because last time we saw a gun in space, we know what happened. What was really great about that gun was like they show you the gun. And then in the next step at the beginning of the next episode, they show you the circumstances of why this guy has the gun. So there was like a whole yeah. week where I'm like, the North Koreans are trying to militarize Mars. Right. And it's like, no, the North Koreans need to be able to get out of there in any way that they can if it all goes bad. The North Koreans heard about a fucking Russian being vaporized by a bullet in the vacuum of space. And they're like, you know what? Just just in case. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pack you in just in case. Um, so, yeah, this I mean, well, first of all, I I can see why, like, this North Korean thing, you know, may not be uh, kind of in step with 
the rest of the show, especially because, yeah, you are right. It doesn't really go anywhere. But in the moment, in this seeing this little mini short film of this guy, like surviving on his own and getting to a place where he's like, I'm going to fucking die on Mars. I'm, I'm, there's no hope for me. I'm just going to blow my brains out. Why am I just going to starve here to death? That really resonated with me. I think they did a really good job of taking what are, you know, usually archetypally a very one note type of character, the North Koreans and American pop culture, and immediately humanizing it. Like we haven't, this is the first North Korean character we've seen on this show. We, this has been, yeah. They've been talking about North Korea the entire time, but not because North Korea has been trying to do like missiles per se. I think it's been more space race focused. Yeah. Which I think we talked about this on the last pod we did, but like our reality's version of the space race is one, (laughs) one in, in hand with, fucking intercontinental ballistic missiles like that's why they were doing it to show like oh yeah yeah no we're not just launching these rockets for fun (laughs) we're showing you that like we can fucking bomb your asses okay so in this reality it's obviously gotten beyond that but the north koreans are like we need to show our power by launching this fucking guy in a tin can to mars (laughs) And, and he's the first guy on Mars, which also the rest of the world knows, right? Or is it just the governments that know that the North Koreans been found? We are speculating about this over text, but okay. Well, first of all, I love the shot of the boot hitting the ground. That is a duplicate of the last shot yeah. of season two. And then we're, we're like, we're, oh we're my like, God. It's like, it's America or Russia. And then right. no, what? <laughs> it was, it the, was the Koreans. <laughs> I love that. And second of all, like we were speculating about like, okay, how long has this guy been there? And how the fuck are you going to send a person to Mars undetected without anybody else knowing? And I think they do a good job of showing that like, oh, this was made to look like an unmanned mission. It clearly wasn't. Yeah. And they just packed them tight with a bunch of fucking canned food and, and, and just told them good luck. His his uh, his radio, at least the transmitter, must have been busted because yeah. if he was sending those, if he was actually getting the signals out, somebody would have picked that up. So there was a reason he wasn't getting anything back, probably. It's because he wasn't able to send anything out. And that's how he was able to be undetected. So, okay, um, what else with this finale? I, I think that maybe we can start kind of... I think we really got to talk about Danny, right? All right, let's 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 start with Danny, played by KCW Johnson. He is the the eldest son of Gordo and Tracy, who are the, the heroic astronauts on the moon at the end of season two. When we did the the first podcast on For All Mankind, we were, we did, we recorded that one after the season three premiere. So we were already able to give some thoughts on everything that we thought about uh, his affair with Karen and, you know, all the things that didn't work with that. And the attempt by the season three premiere to make us root for him and care about him when he saves everybody on Polaris. And then throughout this whole season, I'm thinking redemption. (laughs) This fucking guy 
should not be going to Mars at all. What a horrible decision on Ed's part. I definitely started a couple of the the weekly texts about uh, about the episode with just like, yeah, fuck Danny. <laughs> like, fucking die. I, I hope like, he fucking <laughs> suffocates on the Martian surface. I see. I I don't really know how I feel about Danny at this point. I know, right? dude. Me too. I don't. I don't hate him, but I certainly don't like him. It's right. so it's so complicated because I feel like the he he's a person who shouldn't be in the position that he is in. Oh, not at all. And and I think that's really like why we don't like him. I've listened to some interviews with the writers. Right. And on at least one occasion, the the lead writer, the main guy, Ron Moore, Ronald D. Moore, has explicitly said that he knows he knows very very well about people's complaints about Danny and specifically about the affair with Karen and he talked about how going into season three they knew very well that they had the opportunity because of the nature of the show and how each season is set roughly a decade apart that they had the opportunity to abandon that plot line and and abandon this character there's no need there was no explicit need to have Danny front and center in the cast, but they chose to go down that path. And he talked about how, because people didn't like the character and his story, he saw that as a challenge, as an opportunity to lean into it and, and, and figure out a way to tap into people's emotion because you know, a lot of times writers, storytellers, they have this this notion that, like, essentially uh, any press is good press, you know, that kind of idea of, like, you're not ambivalent about Danny. You obviously you, you, feel some type of way. You have you have strong feelings. Either way, you know? right? Yeah. Even if you hate him, that's 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 an emotion, right? So he's what they're trying to do is they're trying to lean into that emotion and tap into that for to power the story of this show. And I get that and I understand that. And now having seen the entire season, I feel like it worked to an extent. I, it, it worked for me. <laughs> I, I, I was really glad when they didn't let him go on the suicide mission also. I thought that, I thought was, that was incredible. Really good scene. It, it, they had a way where they could have just wrapped it all up. And he's like, you, you know, right. Uh, I don't remember when exactly it was, but he, he, when he's talking to Ed and he says, Ed, there's something I got to tell you. And Ed comes and turns around and you're like, oh, he's going to say it. And then he confesses to another thing that he's done. The, the, the drill exploding and how that was all his fault. And you're like, oh, we're, we're still going to milk this as long as we can. <laughs> And We're still going to milk, milk this even if Karen <laughs> dies in the same episode. <laughs> it, it, it's like, uh, as soon as that plot uh, wasn't resolved, I was like, oh, Danny's not going to die. Danny's going to make it through all of this. Yeah. Which uh, defied my expectations. For sure. I, I, I was thinking that, that uh, you know, they showed a Danny being heroic at the beginning and then not dying so that they could 
then trash his character and have him do something heroic and then die like his parents did. And redemption. That's not right. That's not what they did, um, which absolutely worked for me. Um, I, I feel like they're I, I, morally gray characters. There have been kind of it's not really morally gray. It's more actually human and less of yes. a character of a human. All, all of flawed. the characters, all of the characters that we like all have very glaring flaws in some way, shape or form. Um, and you might not see them at all times because they all have really, really good qualities as well. Um, but yeah. I mean, Dan, Danny is like a perfect storm of his dad and his mom and all of their worst qualities while also having their best qualities. So there's not like any middle ground where you're like, oh, that was just an Jimmy gets nothing. (laughs) Yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy gets uh he's just the the normal guy. He doesn't even get the the dashing looks. Like his hair is so fucking tragic. That's the worst wig. It's it's so awful. And he's younger than Danny, who has a better hair. I don't get it. <laughs> this is this is now a podcast about Jimmy's hair. Nothing else. We're just gonna trash How his old hair. is this character? I wanna know. <laughs> he's he's gotta be like like early 20s at most. Okay. Right? Okay. Yeah. And then and then Danny's like late 20s. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Yeah, yeah I I I'm still working through my feelings about Danny. I I think that this show, one of the best things it has managed to do is to really make you wrestle with how you feel about these people as people, which is very difficult to do. And that's why I love it. Even though, yeah, I, I struggled through this season a little bit and I can see a lot of the complaints and I agree with a lot of the criticisms about the, these Stevens boys storylines just having way too much time when you're not really vibing with them. It's like at the same time, it's like they are trying to, to give us something difficult. You know, they they don't right. want it to be an easy uh, sort of one, uh, you know, point A to point B for these characters that's so right. like kind of clearly drawn out it's it's messy it's messy and and it's it's probably going to take me uh a little while especially like i cannot wait for season four and see what they do um just because it's going to add more and more context to these to these characters but as far as danny goes it's like it, every week i found myself hoping that he would die like i was like i fucking hate this guy He's the worst. He is a pill addict on Mars oh causing horrible disasters that get multiple it's, people killed. But by, by the end of uh, episode seven, it's like there's there's no redeeming this guy. But Not at they, all. It's and, and I don't feel like he's been redeemed, but I feel like he's less shitty because he knows it and he's not running from it anymore. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about um, and this can be kind of a transition to Ed, because the the episode where him and Ed are buried in the capsule underground. That is an incredible episode that might be my favorite episode of the season. I kind of have to look back and see, but 
everything that this show has done to set up these two character arcs and everything that happens, all the conversations, all the conflict, all the tears, the screaming, it all felt incredibly earned. And it just really, really resonated me with me to see like, here's here's two men that are completely defined by the tragedies in their life specifically the shared tragedy of losing um a best the, friend and a son yeah whatever his, whatever his name was <laughs> ed's son yeah i mean them them just talking because uh, i think that was an episode that really did a, a great job of making you actually kind of root for danny a little bit exactly or or if not root at least understand where he's coming from right and understand that like yeah he should be held accountable for his actions and you know he ends this season in exile i think he deserves that based on what he did but also I feel like everything that's happened to him, maybe not everything, but a lot of things that have happened to him, he didn't have control over. Like he didn't, he didn't choose for his friend to die like that. He didn't choose for his parents to die the way they died. You know, it's, I mean, obviously like he chose to sleep with Karen, but she shares some of that blame too. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's, it's very complicated and very messy. And I think they've done a good job of kind of, leaving this character in a place where it's like you feel for him <laughs> you feel you feel satisfied like you're not like ready to close the book on it but you're not like upset that he's still alive right the name of the son is shane by the way and i think shane. and i think it, it it's a death that hangs over uh this show and these characters yeah in in a real impactful way and that scene just really gutted me where they start talking about their memories with shane and danny really comes clean about his guilt um because of how he uh what is it that he says that he like lied about being the the ringleader of the pranks that they did as kids or something Someone, I don't remember exactly, but it was like he was taking the blame. He was letting Shane take the blame when right, Danny right. was actually the one to blame. Because he he kind of like wanted to help Shane feel something uh, like, right. like he had some kind of power or like was like a, a, you know, a cool guy who does cool things. Yeah. Like vandalism. And then Ed has, you know, this really emotional moment where he sees Danny as this surrogate son, this like kind of twisted replacement to the son that he had. And obviously, because Danny's parents died, he kind of has to step in and be that father. And throughout this whole season, he kind of is wrestling with that, right? Like he he kind of want, right. wants to bring him under his wing and take care of him and watch over him. And he knows that he's troubled. He knows that there's something off about him, but he always wants to, to he be He kind of refuses him. to see it. Right. Because he he wants to believe that Dan, there's nothing wrong with Danny and that Danny's like a strong kid who doesn't have the same problems that his dad had, you know. And he sees Gordo. He sees his friend, his best friend. I mean, there's that scene where they're about to land on the surface of Mars and he pulls yeah. back. That was 
rough, man. Like the the immediate flashback to him and Gordo landing on the moon and pulling back. It's the same deal. It, this show just it's been going on long enough and it's stretched out enough over enough time that it's like it has these opportunities to to you know juxtapose what's happening with these memories that these characters are are in some cases decades removed from and it just has this resonance where it's like oh it hits you so hard um so ed how do we feel about ed this season i i feel like ed he you know he's kind of learned a little bit about how to better himself but he's still kind of hanging on to his old ways yeah um and i think that you know he made he made some good progress in season two um until he found out about karen and some guy Mm. that's another great scene where he tells danny like if he ever found out who did it (laughs) put him in the dirt (laughs) right um and you know he he's still that's that right he you know he doesn't talk to danny like a commander should talk to their subordinate right um, yes and and that's one of his like biggest flaws is because he's when he when he talks to danny about serious shit like that he's not doing it in a healthy way to to be i mean helpful he, he's not allowing Danny to try and grow. He's not allowing himself to grow because he's just insistent that it has to be done a certain way and, and that he's right. And if you don't think that his way is right, then you're just weak. Their dynamic is wild throughout this season. I mean, that this was some of the best stuff, like some of the best written stuff, best acted stuff. Because, yeah, you're right. Like he is not being professional in, in right. the way he deals with him he is acting like a father and by reverting to that role danny is reverting back to his role as an addict and downing pills and you know being crushed by this guilt of not being able to face the fact that he fucked this guy's wife <laughs> like day I mean, in we- day out we, we, we see Ed doing lots of really good things and interacting with his other crewmates very well. And he makes a lot of great decisions. And, you know, even if not being the first person to land on Mars, um, you know, if he, he they could have landed that. Right. Yeah. But he was just yeah, he was scared. He, you know? And and I thought that was a really good moment for him because he was like, wait, I you know, I don't need to be doing this like stupid, risky maneuver. Through the storm. Yeah. And I really liked that. But he he did, you know, he kind of shows us that he has these capabilities, but he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to do them. He want he he's got his safety blanket that you know his his angry stern burr. I'm I'm the commander. Yeah. You know, and he just clings to that. Uh but when he doesn't, he does really great things. And I, I think that's really what his his whole character arc has been. And he's just not ready to to learn to do that. I'm yeah. sure we'll see more of that in the next season. Because he's, buy- he's got to die, right? Well, uh, okay, yeah. So that's that's <laughs> another thing we were talking about is this man is old. At this point, they're 
it's getting very the believability is stretching and it's more believable than with Karen, but right. Yeah, marginally. Marginally. But it's getting to the point where it's like, all right, the, the original cast members from the first season are gonna have to be phased out if we keep skipping forward in time so much. And with Ed, it's like, here's a guy who is kind of the the protagonist, the closest thing to the protagonist of the show, the hero. And he's going to Mars, he's going on this mission, he's taking his two, you know, surrogate children with him. And this is the perfect opportunity to go out as a hero, go out on top, you're kind of expecting it. And he doesn't, he makes it all the way through. Even at the very end, he crash lands, gets the, the right stuff moment with the with the ship in flames behind him walking all cool in this helio spacesuit which i have questions about i don't know you're an engineer you tell me is this like does this suit make sense uh, uh engineering wise because well they don't have any exposed cable or uh like tubes right so you know how they they jumped the korean guy you know oh, you don't yeah, get they that plugged his oxygen yeah it, it, it makes sense to me. I, I don't have any issues with it. I, all yeah. spacesuits are going to look weird because you got to have all sorts of equipment. It's got to be, you know, airtight and, you know, thermally uh, insular to some degree because the temperatures are wild. Fashion wise, I, I, I didn't love Fashion. the Helio spacesuits. I, I, I'm a classic NASA kind of guy, you know, just just keep it, keep it classic. But yeah, you're right. It, it if Hilo's this trying to position itself as more of like this kind of private industry, yeah, future space tourist kind of deal, it makes more sense for their spacesuits to be a little bit kind of more cutting edge kind of styled. Yeah, not necessarily cu- definitely cutting edge to an extent, but also like yeah, Less eliminate eliminate the ability for someone to unplug. <laughs> <laughs> something they're not supposed to you know cover it all these up. are engineering problems and we're engineers you know? oh, dude <laughs> you love that, that line that was so good <laughs> i you know some of the some of the engineering problems that they've had to solve like as they're talking about doing it uh, if we we can use this to transition to kelly's little arc but when yeah. they were talking about how to get her back up to the uh to the the ship and they're like, you know, we don't have enough gas to get the payload all the way up there. And then Alita's like, she's the payload or whatever. Yeah, that was, was like a little oh, too they're much. Just gonna launch, they're just going to launch this girl just into um, space and be like. Are you <laughs> suggesting that we put Kelly Baldwin on a rocket engine? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I'm suggesting. I mean, and and that one and uh, the C4 underneath the, yeah. the like these solutions are so insane that it's like yeah i believe it i guess <laughs> it, it makes sense to some degree uh it just makes you think that like you know we don't have this a, a kind of reference point like this because we've pulled back so much from space travel that these problems are not foreseeable in our reality but you know this this show as for as much as it is kind of this really heightened, you know, borderline sci-fi, like high sci-fi type of shit, it is trying to approach some of these scenarios with some type of realism. And right. with some of these things, it's like, okay, if the option is this wildly improbable scenario where you're launching someone from the top of 
Uh, they're going to disengage from the top of the ship and then jetpack into the airlock. If the alternative is they all die on Mars and we don't even attempt it, like maybe, maybe it does hold some kind of believability. You know, if, if, if those are your options. <laughs> I, that was, that was such a, just a lovely scene to me of her just disengaging and then jetpacking into the, into the, the airlock. And the entire time I'm sitting there like, this is, this is insane. Like if she doesn't make this, she's <laughs> drifting in orbit, I guess they, they, they come back around three hours later and try and position themselves to pick her up or she's just dead at one of those two. This show is so, it's so good at doing these things where you couldn't possibly believe what you're watching. I mean, earlier, like mid-season, we had the moment where they rescue the the Russians from their failing ship. That's another instance <laughs> of just like, oh, what the fuck is happening? What are they doing? They're trying to just like, you know, kind of scooch so close to this ship that's about to blow. And then it kind of skits onto the NASA ship and crushes these people. <laughs> that was the craziest like cliffhanger episode. And then they just kind of like, they're like, yeah, people died moving on. And I, I was, <laughs> That's how it I, is. I was, I was shocked at, at like how brutally they just killed these. Like this was brutal for this show. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, no, no, no. It, it's bound to happen. We got to keep going. You know, that's, that's the thing with space, man. I think that might be one of the reasons why in our reality we've stopped going to space because so many people died. It just, yeah. it just comes with the territory of, and it happened, you know, it happened in hundreds of years ago when Europeans were trying to colonize, you know, the, the world and, and clashing with, uh, with the elements and with native people and all these things. It's like for the sake of, of, conquering new worlds you're just throwing bodies at it it's it's fucked <laughs> it's fucked but it's for science oh, okay dev all right for dev. discovery <laughs> should we talk about dev we we should talk about dev uh, uh i i didn't like dev when when we first met dev yeah so the whole idea of helios is like kind of like a spacex so he's kind of like a an elon but I think they do enough to just not make him Elon. Like he, they do enough to make of, it different. I, I think he's he's portrayed as what our Silicon Valley like tech leaders want to be. Yeah. Benevolent, but progressive. <laughs> he he's he's just that to the extreme on yeah. the surface. But like behind the scenes, he's really actually just like them. Right. Um, I was expecting Dev to be a little bit of a more key part of the season. I think he ended up being not as key because um, basically what you get is he he had he leads Helios. Helios takes over the Polaris Hotel. That becomes their ship to go to Mars. And then Karen kind of becomes the person leading that charge. She's there every step along the way, making sure that that mission is run the way it needs to be run. And it kind of becomes her plot line. And Dev is there. He's doing things like he's the one that comes up with the C4 idea into the, the yeah. tunnel to free the thing. 
we're not done with Dev, right? It's just that his his storyline has morphed into something that we didn't expect it to be at the start of the season. I'd be I'd be shocked if they abandoned Dev because first of all, they kill Karen. He he invented the the helium three uh, cold fusion, right? So his 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 legacy is already impactful on the rest of the plot. Which, by the way, I was really surprised that we didn't see the moon. I guess we saw the moon like once when Aleda goes up there. Yeah. And that's that kind was... of it. Do you think well, we're going to see moon stuff? Uh, probably not. Not so much anymore. Uh, unless we send like Dev, uh, unless we, well, maybe because, you know, the government's not super keen on colonizing Mars at this point. I think they're trying to do what they gotta do and then they'll be done with that but you know they're they're still pretty into the helium 3 mining and i guess that's what helios is pivoting to now so maybe we do see more of the moon well yeah i mean i i feel like if helios has a solid presence on the moon and dev isn't running it then maybe we don't maybe he sets up, maybe we get a moon warlord I, I'm curious about Dev because like I I'm struggling to to figure out like how he fits into the plot because he was so attached to Karen. And now that she's dead, it's like, are we just gonna follow him on his own, starting a new version of Helios? Like there's no clear path there. And I think that, you know, based on how the season started out, I could totally see him being positioned as this kind of more antagonistic villainous figure throughout the season. And that's not really how it shook out at all. I mean, he kind of was that a little bit to the extent of him having this kind of ego. Yeah. Locking Ed out of the controls. Yeah. Yeah. And I was more wrapped up in all the other characters and I like that actor, you know, I think his name is Eddie Gathegi. Um, yeah. And I would love to see more from him, um, but it didn't shake out the way I was expecting it to, uh, especially with the Karen piece. Right. Um, so any other thoughts on on Dev or should we move on? No, not really. You know, we're going to we're going to see more of them. I, I think so. that's really, you know, all, all it is. OK, let's talk about Margot and um, Alayda. Yeah, they're so Margo was like one of my favorite characters. Me too. Me um, too. And apparently, you know, like I mentioned, the um, the uh, I've listened to interviews with the writers. Apparently, they knew before they ever shot a single frame of the first season that Margo was going to end up in the Soviet Union. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> That's really interesting. Um, I, I think it like really, really perfectly um, parallels uh, her mentor and all that Nazi shit that he was into, yep. you know, where it's like he's like, I don't care how it happens. I It, it needs to happen. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to make it happen. Um, and we, we don't really like we see her falling to that. Um through, through the entire season. She doesn't really do anything that I would say is like explicitly um, bad, except for when she does end up in the Soviet Union. I think yeah. 
and, and I mean, that's kind of bad for me to say, but you know, she, she, she didn't want to become an asset. She but, found herself in that position because she fell in love with Sergey. I mean, one of the best parts of the season is that uh, kind of compressed the, flashback yeah. of their love story in that elevator every year going to this conference in, uh, I think it's London, I believe. Yeah, um, that sounds right. And they share a moment, uh, you know, at the bar, and then they each go up to their hotel rooms. And each year they get a little bit closer to getting off at the same floor. And it never happens. And we know this whole time, because this is kind of filling in the gaps between season two and three. We know based on two that they already had a connection. And this is kind of filling in those gaps of like, they are willing to work together across enemy enemy lines, so to speak. And they're also falling in love. And man, that was such an effective way to set those stakes up at the beginning. And we talked about how her arc starts out. Like she's literally living in her office, uh, sleeping in that cot, eating a slim fast. And that's all she has going on. She doesn't know what else she would do if she couldn't do that. Right. Um, and, and I hope she was, gets to continue doing it just well, for the other was, side. <laughs> it was absolutely heartbreaking to me because I, I was I, I, I was going to be happy that she died instead because I was like, it oh, her legacy is going to be protected. It would have right? felt right. like you don't have to go after her because she's dead. There's there's no point. What's done is done. We move on. But knowing that she got pulled out there is like a whole other like like that's that's the real betrayal in in my eyes. It, how it plays out in the finale is perfect because there's this uh, on the Aleda side, there's this ramp up of her time is is out. Aleda has figured it out, which is uh, this whole other heartbreak, because basically Margot is like her mother. You know, it's not only her mentor, but the person that has like, you know, we saw little baby Aleda in season one yeah. with Margot. And now it's like, she's part of NASA. She's practically running the place. And, and, and she's, she's living her life pretty much the same way that, that Margot is like, I, I mean, she, she is married and she has a kid at one point. And then later on she's, she's divorced yeah. because the job, came first and, and her dad right. came first. And that, that was heartbreaking because, you know, she, since she's modeled her life after her mentor, her, her living mother figure. And if she, I don't think she knows, I, I, Margot's gotta be there secretly. Right. I don't know. Cause like the, the way it plays out is I think it's pretty good because we get this, this moment where, um, she pulls her aside and she's like, we'll talk after all this is done. But right now we got to get to work. And in that moment, I, I felt the weight of everything in that conversation where Aleda just, she wants it to all be explained. She knows it's true. She can't explain it away. She wants, she needs to accept the reality of the situation, but she's also looking into the eyes of the actual person. You know, she's not seeing a spy. She's not seeing a traitor. She's seeing Margot. And then on Margot's side, she's like, I can't unpack years of 
international conflict <laughs> right now and explain to you why like the man I fell in love with uh you know deserved my treason <laughs> <laughs> I it it was sad to see him waking up in America and her waking up in the 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 Soviet Union like yeah that. he yeah. waves to his neighbor howdy neighbor yeah. And then she gives this good goodbye speech, which is an incredible speech. And I just I could tell every word. I was like, this is it. it the entire this context is, the is like she's saying it and and she's like, yeah, I'm going to be arrested, but I don't need to tell them that. Right. When once you find out that it's really like I'm leaving and I'm not telling anybody that I'm leaving. Yeah. But she's going to acknowledge the power of being in this room and everything that she's lived through and accomplished. And without saying like, hey, this is it for me. It was just so perfectly written how she doesn't have to overtly say like, all right, guys, it's been good. Thanks for the memories. I'm out of here. But then she walks out of that, out of the doors. That was such a good shot, too, where she just walks out and it holds on the doors. And then the bombing happens and Aleda goes to her office and her fucking office is blown to bits. Half of it's gone. The piano's gone that we last saw her sitting at. And that would have felt right of like she her whole life was in this office. It ended here. She said her goodbyes. She was able to look Mark uh, Aleda in the eye and 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 have this human connection, even if she didn't explain it, you know, all it would have felt right. And the fact that it's like, oh, no, we're actually going to continue this and take it somewhere else is really exciting because take, take it to a darker place than it than it we we thought that it was going to be like from, from season two to season three we're like she's compromised and now season three going into season four it's like she is fully working for the other side yeah and but it, it looked it looked for a while there throughout <laughs> this season like she was going to end up at fucking guantanamo bay or some shit <laughs> yeah she she's going to go to a black site yeah no <laughs> It, it was not going to be good for her. The head of NASA working for the Russians. Like, bruh. <laughs> yeah. We, we, I think we can pretty definitively say that Elaine is going to be taking Margo's uh, position. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. I'd be shocked we, if she, if she doesn't. Do we think her, uh, her friend who went to work at Helios, what's his name? Oh, Peanut. So I can remember. Peanut. Peanut. <laughs> Don't ask him why he's called Peanut. <laughs> Yeah, if if we could get if we could get him back at NASA, that'd be pretty cool. Have have him take a latest job and a later running running NASA. All right, so let's let's dig into some of these other characters. We got to talk about uh, Ellen, President Ellen. She has a whole conflict. Oh. <laughs> um, how have we gone this entire time without me talking about how gay this show is? It's <laughs> it's so gay. <laughs> I, I was like facetiously calling it the gay space show. And I don't know what, whatever episode uh, where, where we find out about her husband. Will Tyler. Uh, uh, yeah. As soon as we, we find out about that and, and his, his boyfriend's friend calls the, the reporter or whatever. It's like, Oh, this show is about to get a lot gayer than, than it previously has been. It's going to um, put and, it in the, in the in front and center of the story. Yeah, and also um, the the guy on Mars, the the first gay man on Mars. 
Yeah, Will I... Tyler comes out, and uh, that is a really great moment. It's and really nice. It, Very well it, done. It shifts the focus of the season. Like, that's the thing about this season is that this is kind of – it kind of becomes, like, one of the most important parts of the entire season, this story of Ellen being the president, which, again – the writers said that they knew this would happen for her character from the start and having uh, the secret between her and her husband that they're both gay, but they're leaving this leading this life as husband and wife. I got a kid. And here comes this astronaut. He comes out and it kind of shakes the world and becomes this lightning rod. It takes the focus away from like arriving at Mars and it shifts it to there's a gay person on Mars. Right. Well, it's that it's that point again I brought up earlier of like these things that we think are so definitive of how we have our society set up here on Earth that become meaningless when you're right. not on Earth. And it, it it like why what is being gay even mean if you're not on Earth? You know, it's like. I think that that's the the reasoning behind Will Tyler like doing this because it's like this is he sets foot on Mars he looks out he's on a brand new world and he realizes like why the fuck why does it matter am I hiding who I am it's an incredible moment and she uh she watches his coming out speech and and that's when the gears start clicking of like oh boy what am I doing she she really like the way that she handles it and her husband handles it are just incredibly different because right. i mean he he's a chief of staff as well as the the first uh gentleman what do you call him first gentleman so he's 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 an important person in her administration and he he's a a, a trusted advisor they're they're good friends obviously that they're sharing this secret together right but he he takes it and he's like, no, we have to live with this shame. We cannot support this. And she realizes and recognizes it for what it is. And it's like, it's fucked up that, that they're living this secret life and they're not punished for not telling, you know, anybody about, about who they are. Right. Whereas this guy who's done absolutely nothing wrong. He's, he's, he's just a guy who went to Mars and yeah, they do. They basically do. Don't ask, don't tell. Here, it's the, their version of that. That was pretty uh, uh, an interestingly brilliant uh, way to take the the plot line. Yeah, just again, just weaving these things from our history and like kind of tweaking them and twisting them. It's it's a really cool thing they do, and it makes sense here because again, this world is is very centered around space, and so it would make perfect sense for something like don't ask, don't tell, be directly tied to space. And they call it um, uniform first. Uniform first, yeah. <laughs> it's a Larry's brilliant idea, which is great because that his boyfriend is having that that uh, chat with the, his friend at the bar. And he's like, I bet that was his fucking idea. <laughs> <laughs> He's a he's a tragic character, uh, but in a very different way. It's more like he he doesn't have the courage to to kind of live the way that he really wants to. 
Well, I think, but it's like, he definitely has the, he had, he has some sort of courage. Yeah. Not for that. He's not willing to do that. I think that this show, it's like, we, it, the gut feeling is almost to be like, why the hell would this be a big deal in this society? But the thing is, is that, like, if we think back to season one, right, the only reason why they put women in the space program is because of the Soviets. The Soviets got to the moon first. They put a woman on the moon first. And we were just being reactionary. We the, 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 the NASA wasn't like, hey, we should be progressive and let's make sure that we are inclusive and that we put women first because we're a forward-facing society fuck that that's not what the shit was and they did a really good job of like thinking like okay if we're gonna be women on on the moon or in space it's gonna be because we're trying to chase after our (laughs) our main competitors and what they're doing so it's like when it comes to accepting gay people in society it's kind of a similar thing right where it's like society society doesn't progress society is still moving at the same speed that society moves in our world or maybe slower speed maybe slower speed because they they don't have a reason if there's no reason to accelerate that that kind of progress then there's different setbacks for sure it may you know because at this point we have a female president right so it's like there's no push on an LGBT side necessarily when it comes to these things. Um, right. And especially when you look at the Russia of it all, Russia is not going to be doing that kind of shit. Cause especially when we see Will Tyler's friend, who's immediately like repulsed by him. And he's like, don't touch me. You're going to give me AIDS. That was a really good wrinkle too. Cause it's like, Oh, these guys were best friends. And now he doesn't even want to look at him. Right. And that's a, a, you know, a way to look at how the Russians look at it. And in it's in this world, progress is not guaranteed. And some things may move faster than others. Um, right. And I think that's an instance of that. Where where do we think uh, Ellen ends up for next season? Well, okay. So before then, I, I did want to mention her coming out scene. Okay. Is one of my favorite scenes in the whole episode. Um, I really genuinely cried during that whole scene, the way it was just orchestrated with like the lead up of Larry being the one who was about to come out and how that was shot, kind of like the frantic look of the shots in there, the the close-ups on him, him sweating. And then she kind of comes in way more calm, way more measured. And the way she delivers that whole speech and all of the, the reactions to the speech were perfect um that whole the way the payoff there to me was really 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 well done did that work as well for you that kind of coming out speech absolutely um it 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 did it did everything for me that it did for you while also kind of saving larry um from having to do something he wasn't ready to do Oh, he was so not ready, (laughs) which I I thought really just kind of it's almost completed Ellen's like whole character arc now. Right. Like not not entirely, but like kind of, you know, 
she she's now she presumably is now living with uh, is it uh Pam? Pam? Pam. Pam Pam yeah she's presumably living with Pam uh I guess she's impeached <laughs> <laughs> the VP, we knew that VP was going to cause some trouble. He's yeah, like, he's a piece you of should, shit. You should, uh, you should step down. And she's like, hmm, so you can be president? I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great scene. Maybe uh, the Republican Party needs a little burning down. Per, presumably. Only. <laughs> presumably, uh, Larry and her are still, I guess, talking to some degree. Hopefully, I mean, he, his, his, like, did he like mouth thank you or was it just like a general look of gratitude? I don't exactly remember. It's, it's an interesting thing. I mean, I, I've, I've heard lots of different accounts from different types of experiences, but there are a lot of instances of, of um, people in relationships like this where they just have a certain kind of understanding where they know that they can't be they're their themselves outwardly because of society and the the prejudices that society has and it's a it's a very specific kind of arrangement that some of these people have where you know they, i think they'll always be there for each other they there's just it's i don't know it's a unique thing where there's no you know she's not cheating on him i mean he right he, he's definitely he kind cheating of is, on her <laughs> But not, well, but she, also not really because it's like they—that's not really what their relationship is built upon. It's—it's right. it's more so he's cheating on her more in the sense of like she's the president, right? And he can't be it's, it's sleeping more, with staffers like that. <laughs> it's more along the lines of he's risking everything that they've built while kind of guilting her into not doing risky things, right? I think they'll they'll be okay. I'll be interested to see where where that goes and where just kind of the whole political side of this show goes too, because right. I I think that um, that's one of the most fascinating things about this whole story is that when we're on Earth, we're dealing with these events on such a macro scale, um, and to see how governments react and these kind of big players to have one of our key characters become the president was a really, really cool thing to see. And I think she did a great job. Um, they, they kind of nailed it with, uh, with, yeah, with the, the idea of like this, this member of NASA, this astronaut becoming the president, like you, you just see all the connections there. You see the runway. It's, right. it's really well done. Um, okay. So I think there's only a couple others. Danielle, we got to talk about Danielle. Um, she's she's phenomenal. I really like her. She's just such a nice, warm presence on this cast. Um, it, it was wonderful to see her uh, finally get to like lead uh, a real mission. Right. Like she she got she was command for the handshake, which turned out to be really incredibly important. But, you know, you didn't go into that handshake thinking that you were doing something incredible. And she's also always been secondary to Ed. Um, right. Obviously, like thinking back to the high Bob days, it's like Hi, Bob. it's it's her and, and Gordo and Ed just living on the moon, just cramped as hell. But Ed and Gordo were kind of the ones had, who just took all the glory. Singular. 
they had yeah. their own thing going, but they also kind of took all the glory, right? Being white men, being traditionally and, like the heroes. And nobody knew about the sacrifice that she made for Gordo and that that whole the, hand, the, the arm break. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, this is a great season for her to be kind of in the driver's seat, literally piloting this, this right. ship all the way to Mars. And and proving that she's absolutely just as good of a commander as anybody else that we've seen on the show or better she is making all the right calls in every situation she's always super calm super you know collected and is able to to you know take control and and make sure that everybody has a key part to play in these insane scenarios that they find themselves in she does a great job of uh, mediating some of the the conflicts between the different uh, crew members. Also, yeah, um, her, she her could have she could have told Alexi and Kelly to maybe use a condom. Yeah. I, I don't. I, that was a failure <laughs> on her part. These are scientists. These are supposed to be the most intelligent people on this kind of mission. Maybe wrap it up. Maybe maybe uh, yeah. But NASA's not going to pay for fuel for condoms. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> but, but they're going to pay for fuel to get her to the fucking space station to give birth to the baby that was not planned for this mission. You know, I guess, I guess. <laughs> IUD everyone before the mission. <laughs> yeah. Vasectomies uh, all around. <laughs> Her uh, her relationship with the the Russian commander also yes they tackle uh, each other to the surface of Mars. Uh, what what did the the news people say? They're like they're just so excited to touch ground yeah. together or whatever. And yeah, I, their their relationship. I mean, she, this entire time she's had very healthy relationships with the with the Russians that she's interacted with. Right. Whereas, like you know, every time I, up until now, I guess that Ed has interacted with the Russians, it's been really, really like, like standoffy, you know, like yeah. uh, he's hot headed. He's a you know not erratic, but kind of he, willing to to act on his a, impulses. He's a cowboy. Yes, and, exactly. And she is the farthest thing from a cowboy. She yeah. she is not like ready to be like fast and loose. She's like let's let's be a little bit measured and maybe think about things before we do them. Uh, and yeah. you know, the I would only feel time really she, good having her as my commander. I would feel the only time safe. that she isn't calm and collected is when the the Russian commander's gonna beat her tomorrow. Yes, <laughs> that's the only time that she loses it. I'm getting on that surface first. Get the fuck <laughs> out of here, man. <laughs> Um, yeah, I yeah, love, love Danny. I, I really hope we get more from her. She's going to be like a key player on I, the, on the colony. I hope, I hope we get more of, uh, her stepson also. Yes. I think, uh, they, they planted some good seeds, seeds early in the season. Um, and they, you know, revisited it to, you know, let us know that it's, it's still, you know, he's still around. Yeah. She, and her she's husband. still married. Yeah, Her husband too. Who's who is less important? Right, <laughs> he's just but he's not he's not unimportant, but he's less important. Yeah, I mean, you can only fit so many people. Right. Um, okay, couple other stray players here. Molly, we only get a couple scenes with her this season. Um, she kind of comes in at the beginning and then at the end. Perfect end 
to that character. Yes. Super sad to see her go, but she was kind of already gone. I mean, I was shocked to even see her at all. It was kind of yeah. weird at the beginning where they, they gave her a little bit and then nothing and then, throughout. And it's I, like, it well, paid, why did you bring her back? Oh, it paid off to kill her. <laughs> That's why we brought her back. She, she didn't deserve an off screen death. She, she deserved to, to go out the way that she lived, which was, doing what she loved a fucking badass yeah this is the the person that discovered ice on the moon uh person that fucking risked her life to to rescue a guy and got fucking irrid- irradiated to be yeah. blind she's just such she, a badass well she she was the one that they had to catch at the end of season one wasn't she to catch uh when she was oh, floating in, in floating yes yes yeah. i believe you're right yes yes yeah yes. she's she had done some crazy shit i know and oh. and it was really good to see her in her her frailest form still being an absolute badass legend fucking yeah. legend just a blind old lady that knows every inch of this building to memory leading people through the rubble and the chaos um and and her legacy is going to live on because they renamed the the space center after her yeah was, molly cobb space center we love it i i yeah yeah i i think she was one of the best parts of those early seasons and i'm I'm glad they they brought her back here to yeah to send her off um those are all kind of the main cast members was there yeah. anything else that we didn't touch on, like in terms of the the plot? Like, did you want to talk a little bit more about maybe the the North Korean or the Mars explosion, the drill, anything on Earth with the conspiracy theorists or anything like that that we didn't touch on? I think I think it's really mostly uh, you know where where does the story go? Because we we do we have these threads. Uh, the with the Korean and and all of the the stuff on Earth, uh, we've we've got the the radicals uh, who blew it up, blew up the space center. I hope Jimmy's um, in jail. He needs to rot yeah. in prison. I'm sorry. I so. I think that I think that we get to a, a point where uh, the the helium three stuff is is going to become even more of an uh, impactful storyline next season than it was in this season. Right. Um, because it, all indications are that helium three is ramping up. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, like the the conspiracy stuff is directly linked to that because these are these are Texas guys, guys and gals that are having their daily lives impacted by the fact that right. energy is shifting away from oil, and Texas is is oil town, and right. so it it just makes sense for these people to be so disaffected with space that they want to bomb nasa because helium 3 is this clean nuclear fusion energy so maybe we'll see more of that i i it's it's interesting to think how the bombing the legacy of the bombing what kind of impact that's going to have well, on this world well they've effectively martyred themselves now well, that's the thing. So, like it could, it could activate other people to feel like now they're part of this larger movement. Right. Do, do we think that uh, we get a, I think we kind of discussed this a little bit, but maybe we get kind of compressed um, uh, flashbacks showing us 
what leads up to uh, 2003, I think was the year. Yeah. So we saw at the end. So the, the preview of season three at the end of two was uh, 1995 Martian surface come as you are, as you were, uh, you know, Kurt Cobain, Nirvana blaring as we see a boot. Yeah, and, shout out to the music for this season also. <laughs> oh, it's so good. So many deep cuts too. I'm going to want to look at a at a, a track soundtrack because there were some like, I don't know if you caught some of them, but some of them kind of flew uh, over my head. Um, But it turns out that that 1995 preview was a couple years ahead of where the season actually starts. So we might get a similar thing in four where... 2003 might actually be a couple of years ahead of where we start. We might start like 99, 2000 kind of range. Um, yeah, I can see that. By the way, speaking of needle drops, that Radiohead needle drop. Yeah. At the end with 2003, that, was- that gave me chills, <laughs> chills. Everything in its right place. And Margot in <laughs> Moscow, like, bro, oh, dude, this fucking show. When it hits, it hits, dude. It's uh, I, I'm, you know, the the soundtrack's only gonna get better, and I think that's really just because we're we're still getting into all the music that we grew up listening to. Exactly. I mean, I I grew up listening to a lot of '90s, so that th- this season really worked for me in that way. Yeah. Well, well, I'm sure we'll get some late '90s, early 2000s. <clears throat> Yeah. Will we get like NSYNC? Is that what it's going to be? We're going to get a Superman by Goldfinger. Actually, no, that was, that was 94, wasn't it? I don't know. We're going to get some less than Jake. Uh, (laughs) It's, it's, uh, it's the season of Scar. Yeah. Maybe some, maybe some Nelly. (laughs) I, I could only hope we get some Nelly. I mean, what, what are they going to be listening to in Mars? Millionaire. Like what right kind dirty. of music is going to make it to Mars if people are just like, because that's the thing that that's, that's why I was thinking about why we didn't see the moon. Like are people living on the moon? What is life like there? I really wanted to see that. I hope we see that in, in four. I know we're going to see Mars. Like they have to build out the Mars colony. That's a given. So it's going to be interesting to see like, you know, what life is like there. Are they listening? to green day you know what kind of music is 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 getting there um and beyond that i mean i kind of feel like they might save like the moons of saturn for season five it would it would feel like this is moving I mean, really really fast that, that's if we get that's Titan. the next that's the next like like end point but we we still haven't successfully done Mars, so we're not we're not right. ready for that. Right. Uh, I mean, Russia is going to be a whole thing. I guarantee. Yeah. You. I guarantee you that the the exploring the Soviet Union through Margot's story. Yeah. The the Soviet Union. I mean, it hadn't fallen, and I mean, still it was going? like, yeah. It, there's no signs of it slowing down either. Right. So that's going to be. I mean, that's a whole new world. I mean, imagine. 2003 Soviet Union yeah. at, at its peak. That's something we can't even imagine. How does that look like? How does that society function? What's what's life like there? That's going to be a whole thing to explore. 
I'm, I'm yeah. fascinated to see what they do with that. Yeah, as every year that we get farther from uh, the the original moon mission, it, it just gets farther and farther detached from reality while yeah. still staying grounded in what that reality could potentially look like. Which kind of makes me worried a little bit, you know. Uh, I think we talked about this last episode, but I feel like it would be it would feel wrong for this show to do aliens, even though I did right. say during that episode that I would be on board, but. As it stands now, like we're not ready for that. There's no path there. <laughs> yeah. The the only way I think we get to aliens is when we eventually pass the current date. That's the only way yes. that that's going to happen, which we may not. We may not. This show might end. You know, the, they might do like the 2010s in season five. And then, and then call that it. might be it. We catch up to our time and then that's it. But right, I don't, I don't know. It, I feel like, I don't know, depending on how well it goes, because again, this this has been a really kind of shaky season. We'll see what Apple thinks. I think that this is one of their biggest hits other than Ted Lasso. This is getting a, a lot of attention with each season. If it gets to a point where they're like, yeah, do six, seven, eight, let's go. That might be where the the disconnect starts to happen, like the real disconnect. Well, that might be where the, the writers get to a point where they're like, oh, we actually didn't plan this far. <laughs> but they must be thinking that right now because I heard them say that they the initial pitch was for, I think, five seasons. Mm. So anything beyond that. They, they've got a, they've got a, an idea of where they want to go, probably. They definitely. I trust do. them. I trust the writers, e- even if they're going to do some things that I think are kind of it's i think it's all gonna work out yeah i i agree with that i as as shaky as i thought some of the stuff here was i'm still so excited for season four i, I don't think watch there the was shit a, out of it there was not a bad episode there were bad parts to episodes yes i i think the the weaker episodes in my opinion were the ones that spent way too much time on fucking jimmy stevens <laughs> but the thing is is that it it had to. It had to because we needed to get to that bomb. Yeah. And it all makes sense at the end. I think that if we would have done a podcast in the middle of the season, I would have been livid. You would have been about trashing these, Jimmy the entire time. Fucking Stevens boys and why the fuck we're doing this. The, this show, it's tanking. <laughs> that would have been me. It's, it's, <laughs> it's fucked. I give up. No, I I think in full context, it totally makes sense. And to the point that I said earlier about this, these writers like wanting to lean into these things that they know that the audience has trouble with. That's a risky thing to do. I love it. Take risks. Right. Why not? Why not? (laughs) Make us make us feel something, which is what any good story does. Any good show does. Right. Any final thoughts, Dane? Anything that we Uh, didn't touch on? I hope it gets gayer. Okay. Uh, Cause I just, I want to keep calling it the gay space show. I think it might, you know, I think that we've kind of it, it, imagine if in our reality, we had a president that was like, yeah, I've been gay this whole time. <laughs> like that just, that opens <laughs> that, up. the floodgates. That, would, 
that'd be nuts. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the last couple presidents we've had. If any of them said they were gay the entire time, I, I don't know how the world would react. Right, right. <laughs> I think maybe. Especially uh, the Republican presidents, you know? It's, right. Papa Bush, maybe? It, it, HW? Opens, up, it opens up a whole new, <laughs> like, can of worms, for like lack of a better term. Yeah. And I'll say it again. I, I think that this show, I hope it, it, it zeroes in on that, that idea of of leaving behind these these things that we think are so important in our world like, yeah like nations and borders and and uh you know uh being closeted with your sexuality and being afraid of who you are and all these things i i hope it starts to do more of that and, and put more of that into the foreground because what it did in this season with the whole Ellen storyline and Will Tyler, like I think that that went so well. It's going to be relevant. Allow us to ex expand our horizons of what is possible. And I think that that's the beauty of space travel. And the, that's the beauty of what this show does. It, it shows you how when you physically leave the world and expand and discover new worlds, it makes you reconsider our world and what's possible here. Love it. Love it, love it. Oh, one quick thing. Uh, I'll plug our uh, episode on the movie Nope if you haven't seen it already. Have you seen Nope? Have I seen Nope? I loved Nope. Okay, good. Every, everybody should go watch Nope. Uh, I want to shout love it out as much as me. <laughs> Ren Schmidt uh, makes an appearance in Nope. I forgot to shout her yeah. out. The, the lady that plays Margot forgot to shout her out during our Nope episode. But all you, all you for all mankind heads out there, you're gonna flip. If you've seen Nope and you, you're like, oh my God, it's Margo. <laughs> I was the only one like doing the Leo <laughs> pointing meme at the screen. I was like, what the fuck is this guy doing? It's Margo yeah. from, for all mankind. It, you can tell that she, she was way more busy fi filming for all mankind than Nope. <laughs> yeah. She got like two scenes. <laughs> Underutilized actress, but we still love her. All right. We'll wrap it up there. Thank you so much, Dane, for coming on. Uh, and thank you all for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe, like, and comment, and let us know what you thought of For All Mankind. What do you hope to see in season four? Did you have some of the same kind of trouble with some of these storylines in season three? Comment below, let us know. And uh, thank you all for listening and tuning in. Next week, we have a return to Robin Williams with Flubber. We're talking about Flubber. Is that one of your favorite uh, Robins, Dane? Uh, Any memories that's one of the Flubber? Robins that haunts my nightmares because I watched it when I was too young. <laughs> yeah, I remember it being a little bit like too horny. Like Robin's trying to fuck the whole movie and then his robot's trying to fuck him. It's like, yeah. it's going to be a weird one to revisit. Yeah, it's it kind of it kind of hits the same notes as Spy Kids, you know. I'm not. I, it's not a movie I'm eager to revisit, but it 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 affected me deep in my psyche. Spy Kids, Spy Kids is good. Spy Kids is really <laughs> fucking good. Really Spy rocks. Kids Two is really good. Oh yeah, the island of <laughs> island, what is it? Island of Island Lost of Lost Dreams. Dreams. Yeah, Steve Buscemi. Yeah, damn that. That's a. I love that. <laughs> What's the quote where he's like? <laughs> you think God, God lives up in heaven? 
because he's afraid of all of his creations on earth. Beautiful. <laughs> Something like that. Cinema. Cinema. <laughs> all right. Visit uh, webottomike.net for the full archive, and you can also become a donor. Thank you, all you beautiful donors, for supporting. Thanks, Dane. You're a donor. Thank you for supporting the show. Uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. We love you. Bye-bye.